The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Myers Leonard, everybody. I bring you this delightful treat. <laughs> Start your your Monday podcast. Uh, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I am Dan Bespris. This is the start of a new week. So, hello. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a nice Halloween at the end of last week. Perhaps you younger folk listening stretched Halloween for a few days. Or maybe you just made the candy last. That might be our go-to move. Uh, Dan Bespris on Twitter, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is Fantasy NBA Today, and it's brought to you, as always, by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Our partners on the islands. H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. Or you can just search for Hawaiian Isles at Amazon. Of course, Hoop-Ball.com is our home site. That's our base. Our HQ is HoopBall. Check them out immediately at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter, at HoopBallTweets. And go get the premium membership, which now includes betting information, some of the liens of which that we talk about here on this show get translated into actual wagers uh, from Aaron Bruski, from myself, from the great Neil Rochelani, who we've talked to many times on this show about sports betting information, among so many other reasons to check out the premium game time premium membership. Use coupon code DOC, D-O-C, and get $350 off of that purchase. Go to hoop-ball.com, click on premium, and get going. Today, it's Monday, so we already know what we're doing, right? You guys came in, you saw right in the title of the show, it's Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday. All of the things that we talked about on our Friday show that we were going to be watching over the weekend, we now go through and see what happened in them. It's a very dry activity that we do on this podcast, but I feel like those of you that are listening and have been for a long time, you probably kind of know what you're getting into, and so we're going to do it. The key for me with Reverse Chronological Lightning Round is that it is our reset button. Weekends are when schedules get discombobulated. You miss some games. You can't check every box score. Sometimes you don't. Your teams are not able to keep up quite as well. This is our opportunity to sort of take a deep breath, look at all 30 teams, and get reset for the week ahead. Things that happened over the weekend. Remember on our Friday show... We listed out, I think, 43 different guys that were kind of interesting storylines from the previous week. So this is how we stretch those three days. Because I ain't doing weekend shows. Sorry, guys. It's not happening. Uh, This is how we bridge that gap where we then don't miss anything in between. So let's just leap right onto that stuff. We'll start with Sunday. I mean, you guys know the drill. We do Sunday games. We do Saturday's games. And then any teams that didn't play on the weekend... We cover what they did on Friday night. So we're going to look at all 30 teams' most recent game and mention any obvious fantasy notes from it. Sometimes we may need to pair a few up. But anyway, let's just get started. Those of you that are joining this for the first time, welcome. Those of you that have done it before, you know what's coming next. Chicago at Indiana. That was the early game on Sunday. None of the games was early enough. Got to wait until the middle of the afternoon to get my damn basketball fix. The Bulls are terrible. I have no idea how they pulled off a win against Detroit at home. The line really was a weird one, but they did it. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky actually looked better in this ballgame. He ran the break well. He was almost the only good thing happening 
for Chicago in this game. I mean, they were, Indiana's actually a pretty good defensive team. Sadoransky's assists have been trending up. His minutes have hovered around 26 or 27 in every ball game here over the last five. Four, five, eight, six, and nine assists, but he's just not doing anything else. It's not enough yet. He's being dropped en masse, and he should be because we've said it on the show. The point guard situation out there is disgusting. Uh, they're two and five on the year now, and they've got the Lakers in town on Tuesday. Good luck. Lakers are actually playing great defense. Their only hope is that they just sort of overlook this game. Uh, but for Sato's sake, good good for him. You know, he kind of asserted himself a little bit in this ball game, ran the break, got some easy looks for his buddies, and they would have gotten blown out if it weren't for his nine assists. But it's not enough yet. Maybe he separates himself. We thought he would. He just happened to start the year. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. went 9 for 10. Good ball game for him. Missed a bunch of free throws, though. Zach Levine had 21. Uh, Thad Young's actually playing pretty pretty well off the bench, but not well enough to be owned. Larry Markinen has slowed after a torrid start. And Otto Porter sprained his ankle in this ball game, en route to a 1 for 10 shooting game. Did have three boards, three assists, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer, but obviously the four points on 1 for 10 shooting with a missed free throw was grounds for... Uh, great irritation, and it was especially annoying because he had just put together a pretty good ball game in his, in his previous one, and I'd love to blame it on the ankle. He'd actually been okay for two in a row prior to this one. Anyway, you're not dropping him. You're, you're holding on auto. We'll just see how this whole thing shakes out. Uh, he's going to get this thing figured out because he's too good not to, um, but it's taking more time than we hoped. On the Indiana side, Goga Bitadze. I had to watch the broadcast to make sure I was pronouncing that close to right. Had four blocks in 19 minutes. That's just, I mean, I know people are going to roll the dice on him, but as soon as the other big men start to come back, he obviously gets rendered useless. So if you really want to roll the dice, you have at it, but I'm not doing it. Jamie Lamb was good. TJ Warren was very good. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon was pretty damn good. TJ Leaf had a double-double. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. And they won by 13 without their two centers. Houston lost in Miami by 29 points, but this was a 40-point ball game for a large chunk of the game. And there were, I thought, a number of things that happened that are worth discussing. Number one, our guy Daniel House got sent to the bench in favor of Eric Gordon, who had one of the worst fantasy games of the year, going 2-for-10 with two turnovers, four points, a rebound, a steal, and a block. He was also something like a negative 30 in the first quarter. So maybe they go back to what was working before. It might not matter in the next ballgame because Westbrook is out uh, for load management. Uh, but we were loving on House's numbers. He was putting together incredibly efficient 3 and D lines. They were way worse with him coming off the bench. So hopefully that thing gets uh, returned to form quickly. And he would have played more like 25 minutes if this wasn't a blowout. He would have played in the fourth quarter. Chris Clemens had 16 points off the bench. He was just gunning away in this thing once they were down a whole bunch. You can largely throw it out other than the change in the starting lineup. That's something to keep an eye on. But Eric Gordon looked terrible, so hopefully lesson learned there. On the Miami side, meanwhile, we had all sorts of interesting stuff going on. Number one, we got our first real stinko out of Kendrick Nunn. And this is the fear... I mean, he was number 21 coming into this ballgame, so you obviously have to cut him a little bit of slack. But he's a rookie, so you knew there were going to be some slow ones mixed in at some point. He's still starting, but he only had to play 19 minutes because he was a little bit cold. Tyler Harrow 
was also a little bit cold, but he did more on the floor. Goran Dragic played better. Duncan Robinson played pretty well at the forward spot, so they just sort of slid bodies around. You know how Spo goes. And James Johnson actually played really well, which is always a huge pain in the neck. But aside from the Kendrick Nunn thing, which, you know, I don't know that I would buy on him right now. I I still think that there's going to end up being a little bit of a logjam. This is going to be one of their easiest scoring games of the year against that awful Houston defense. Jimmy Butler was fantastic. We don't have to worry about that. Um, Bam Adebayo had a whole bunch of turnovers and missed some free throws, but he'll be fine. It's all the stuff in between. One, I don't like Goran Dragic as a nine-cat guy. His percentages in general are not very good. He turns the ball over and he rarely gets steals, although he did in this one, because who didn't? They had 14 of them. Duncan Robinson had 23 points, and that doesn't feel like a sustainable thing because Justice Winslow was out and he chewed up almost all of his minutes. Here's the interesting one, and you guys probably saw me tweeting relentlessly about it while watching this game. Myers Leonard looked brilliant, and he's now looked pretty damn good for a couple games in a row. And as I just mentioned, I said it on the Twitters, I picked him up in a bunch of roto spots. Eh, Head-to-head is a little bit less exciting because he's not going to score 21 points every game. He's not even going to score the 16 he had the previous night every game. You're probably looking for something like 12 out of him. But the other side of that coin is when he's on the floor for 25 minutes, he generally gets you 7 to 10 rebounds. He only had four in this one. You know, a lot of missed three-pointers. Houston big men sometimes don't get the easy rebounds. They come off a long way. So, you know, guys like Jimmy Butler get more. We're not going to worry about that matchup stuff. Uh, he has six blocks in his last three games. He has three steals in his last three games. He's averaging a steal and two blocks over that stretch as well. We've always known that when the minutes are there, the fantasy stuff is there. The problem is the minutes have never been there. I mean, you remember like five years ago, he was a fantasy darling, and then it just never panned out in Portland. But if you look at some of his game logs with the Blazers, it's like 6 minutes, 8 minutes, 12 minutes, 16 minutes. And then all of a sudden, there's this 25-minute game where he goes for 16 and 7 with four three-pointers. He's a great three-point shooter, by the way. Very high percentage. When he takes an open look, he often makes it. The last game of their playoffs last year against the Warriors, uh, he scored 30 points. So, make of all this what you will. When he gets an opportunity, he often thrives in it. He's not going to blow up, again, with a ton of scoring. He'll do some decent rebounding numbers. The steals and blocks are probably not going to be anywhere near as high as they have been over this little stretch. But he's got some hops, so he'll fall into a block shot every once in a while as a 7-footer with some leaping ability. Um, I don't see any reason why if he holds this starting job, he can't be a top 100 guy with a little bit of upside beyond that should his minutes trend up at all. He'll always be the number two Leonard in the NBA, but at least he's on the radar. So I picked him up in some spots where I had garbage to drop. We're not picking him up for somebody useful, not after this short little burst, but damn, he sure looked good over the last two. And then, uh, you know, Tyler Harrell, we were talking about how they're sort of this... Guys are rotating their productivity. He was good in this one again. Sacramento blew out New York. So the Kings have now won two in a row after losing five. Marcus Morris had 28 for the Knicks. Mitchell Robinson played six first half minutes and then almost the entire second half in garbage time. 
He still feels like a buy low guy to me. I know he had an okay line, but people are pretty frustrated with him. The guy they should be frustrated with is Julius Randle. He's been horrendous, and I hate his fantasy game. Anyway, uh, Bobby Portis is not a good nine-cat guy. I keep trying to tell you guys this, but people keep recommending him as a pickup for some reason. I don't follow that one. Sacramento side, Harrison Barnes is settling in a little bit. Uh, I don't like his fantasy game, but he'll be around the top 100. Nemanja Bielitsa is going to be very good as long as Marvin Bagley is out. And Rashawn Holmes is a full-time beast master of a starting center. So finally, that one happened two years too late. Uh, and who ballers who waited so patiently, we can just count our money here for the next bit. I'll tell you, too, I think he's still playing even after Bagley comes back. I still think he's playing more than enough to be uh, rostered in fantasy. Lakers, man, they're they're a tough nut. They are making a lot of guys look bad. Spurs shot 39.8% in this ballgame. They are holding a lot of teams in the high 30s, low 40s. AD was very good. Dwight Howard was absolutely brilliant, and it kills me to say it again. Uh, but JaVale McGee is absolutely a hard drop at this point. Kyle Kuzma played 16 minutes and looked very rusty again. Avery Bradley hurt his leg late in the fourth quarter, which is like, well, who cares? Avery Bradley, he was actually playing pretty well. But KCP sort of slid in. Alex Caruso got a few extra minutes. LeBron had a huge triple-double, but he actually shot the ball horribly in this game. Five for 10 at the free throw line, five turnovers, uh, and he shot 35% from the field. I don't know if I've ever seen a game where LeBron missed every jumper he took, but this was that. Eight for 23. So the Lakers won with LeBron exclusively making layups and good passes. He didn't have to make a single shot for the Lakers to win this ballgame by seven on the road. They're pretty good, man. Uh, but again, I don't, I don't know that you can fully trust Dwight Howard. The 21 minutes is great. I know he's inside the top 100 in nine count right now because he's not taking any free throws. As soon as someone starts fouling him, anyone at all, the whole thing can come apart. Because he still is terrible at the line. But what he has absolutely positively done is he's ruined JaVale McGee. So he's a drop. Dwight is, I mean, fine. Obviously, if you're if you're in a league where you're punting free throws or you don't count free throws, he should definitely be picked up. He went 7 for 7 and he's shooting like 80% on the year now. Um, and that's a big deal. But there's a lot of reasons to be terrified. And Danny Green had a really slow one. You guys know the long thing here. I mean, he had that one big game, and everyone was like, this is the year he's going to be top 50. Nah, we know what he is. He's a top 100 guy. He's just going to sort of slog along. DeJounte Murray played well. Rudy Gay played well. And that was about it. DeMar DeRozan was not good. LaMarcus Aldridge was not good. Derek White was feh. Bryn Forbes was meh. He had three steals. That was all right. But it was really DeJounte Murray against the world, and that is not enough not to beat the Lakers right now. Luka Doncic, fantastic, and he made all of his free throws in this game against Cleveland. That's a big deal. 29-14-15. and 15. Um, Tough to find fault with it. Kristaps Porzingis had six blocks. He has not had his load managed yet. That's coming. It's coming around the bend. I mean, they said he was going to do it. Delon Wright, brilliant, well-rounded line. Uh, Dwight Powell did not have a good ball game, but he did play 27 minutes, which to me says, let's get him in there. You know, he got pushed around a little bit by Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. I just like the minutes. That means he's getting up to full speed. If he's playing 27 minutes a game, he's going to get enough to be relevant. He just had all his rebounds taken away by Boban and Luka. (laughs) 
Tristan Thompson missed six free throws, but otherwise he remains a must-start guy. Another double-double with three defensive stats. Jordan Clarkson hovering right on the periphery of nine-cat value, and Kevin Love is beasting so far. That was an easy mid-round guy with massive upside. And then the, uh, the other guards on this team are terrible. From a fantasy perspective, they're all awful. They're trying to play him enough, but they just don't deserve it. Uh, Larry Nance played 27 minutes again, but really didn't do much with him. I know you guys are getting super frustrated with the dude, but I can almost promise that at some point he's just going to sort of level off into his normal, you know, he was above where he should have been last year, but like top 80, top 90 type stuff. His steals are gone. That's really what's missing right now, and his field goal percent is down. That stuff is going to level off. You know, you look at this year, his field goal percent is down by 6%. Steals are down by one entire steal per game. Otherwise, he's actually playing pretty well. He's shooting even more, believe it or not. And he's making a three-pointer. So you got to look at the other stuff. Utah uh, and the Clippers. This was a revenge game for L.A., and they won it late, basically. Donovan Mitchell was fantastic. Boyan Bogdanovich was very good. Again, Rudy Gobert didn't have any blocks. That's not good. Uh, I do still think he's a buy low. Mike Conley went back to being bad in this one, but, uh, you know, Pat Beverly does that to people. Kawhi Leonard started very slowly. He ended up having a poor shooting night, but who cares? He's been so good this year. And uh, Jermichael Green played well again. Clippers are a Franken-monster of some kind. Hey, before we turn the clock back to Saturday in our reverse chronological lightning round, I want to remind you guys to go check out Manscaped.com, our newest partner here at Fantasy NBA Today, and their amazing products like the Lawnmower 2.0, improved battery life. It'll charge now and run 60 minutes on one charge. It trims at 6,000 strokes per minute, up from 4,000 on the previous model, and the trimming head is replaceable and is waterproof. Get a good trimmer. Don't settle for that garbage you get at the checkout line. Get a good one. Plus, as I mentioned before, the good folks at Manscaped have partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to raise awareness about the most common form of cancer in men age 15 to 35 and provide help to the fighters, survivors, and caregivers. So a good company, great product, and go there now, manscaped.com. Use promo code HOOPBALL and get 20% off and free shipping. Hoopball, the promo code, 20% off and free shipping on your order. The benefits of grooming are out there. 85% of women think bad grooming is a turnoff. 80% think that men should deal with specialty grooming. 89% of men actually believe that it makes them more confident and helps with professional success. So do it, and do it the right way. Manscaped.com, promo code Hoopball, 20% off and free F-R-E-E. That's right. Gratis shipping on your order. Saturday. Well, we know it's all right for fighting. Saturday. We've already knocked out 12 teams. 18 to go as we wrap up this reverse chronological lightning round. The first one on Saturday. The Pelicans. Losers at Oklahoma City. This was a nice one for me. I felt it felt nice in my heart. Chris Paul is really starting to show signs of it now. And this was... You know, I admit, I, I had like 90% faith, but you start to doubt a little bit. Those first, he had a really good first game, but only three assists. Then he had two really quiet ones. And then he had a pretty good one. 
15, 5, and 4, two steals, three threes, but missed his free throws. And then his last two now have been very good. He's averaging 18, 3, and 7 with two and a half steals and two three-pointers in his last two games. He's shooting the ball better. His free throw percent is coming back up. And all of a sudden on the year now, he's shooting 45% from the field and 77 at the foul line. I want to see the assists keep going up. That's the thing that's really going to move the needle for me. That is him understanding where his teammates like to play. I think he actually really enjoyed playing with Nerlens Noel, although you know that's not a long-term thing with Steven Adams likely back here in the next couple of games, or possibly even the very next one. Uh, but he's going to just kind of have to figure out how to get the ball to these guys where they want it. So the assist should trend up from four. I mean, that would be well below any mark he's ever been near in his career. Uh, so he's coming around. That was a really nice thing to see. A lot of guys, actually, the old guys played well on Friday and Saturday. We saw a little bit of a regression on Sunday. But again, you know, the, the trend is the right direction. Nerlens, obviously, he's a fantastic sub anytime Steven Adams is out. Uh, Shea looked good. Gallo looked good. Schroeder looked good. That one was pretty easy on the OKC side. For New Orleans, Brandon Ingram banged his head. Uh, he did not return to the game, but it sounds like he's probable for their next one. And that is going to, once again, remove a whole bunch of shots from these other guys. I was starting to get a little bit excited that guys like J.J. Redick would get a few more shots, and Lonzo, and Drew, and Josh Hart. But with Ingram taking, like, 20 a game, uh, these, are, these other guys just aren't having the opportunity that we hope for. Um, Derek Favors is questionable, which makes me think he'll be back within the week, I hope. I, I really want to get a look at him for a couple of weeks of actual playing healthy, alive, before I do anything with him. So I'm holding him. Uh, I'm holding Redick to see what happens here. They couldn't possibly sign this dude to not let him shoot the basketball. He has been cold. If he starts to warm up, I have to think his minutes trend up as well. Josh Hart is an obvious hold as well. Um, Drew, Lonzo, as we mentioned already. Brooklyn at Detroit. Boy, Andre Drummond is something so far this year, isn't he? Holy smokes. He's been so impressive. He's everywhere. He's averaging 22 and 19 so far this year. And he's shooting 64% at the foul line. The only knock on Drummond so far is he's actually turning the ball over a bunch. But who cares? He's been insane. He's averaging 1.7 steals and 2.6 blocks per game. Wow. Uh, Blake Griffin due back relatively soon. That'll knock out any value for guys like Markeith Morris. Uh, Derek Rose is out for a couple of games. He's got a sore hammy. I'm imagining he'll probably play by later this week, but they've got to keep him fresh, especially for his six man of the year award. DeAndre Jordan. We, I think we've learned now that if Brooklyn plays a gigantic center on the other side, he's going to have to play a little bit more. Jared Allen just got pushed around in this one. Um, but I don't think that this does not make DeAndre Jordan a pickup for me. He's way over owned in fantasy for now having basically one good game all year. Torian Prince is playing well. Kyrie Irving triple-doubled in a loss. Joe Harris, he's warming up. Spencer Dinwiddie, I know I'm going against the hoop ball grain on this one, but his fantasy game is not good for 9-cat. He's number 204. Shoots a low percentage from the field, not good enough at the free throw line to make up for it, and he gets no defensive stats and only 1.23s per game. It's not good enough. His role is down from last year. It's only going to get worse. As long as this team's healthy, at least. I, he, I can't believe I'm saying this, but he's a drop. He's overranked because of his 15 points per game and five assists. His other stuff is terrible, and I don't think it's coming back. 
I don't think there's like a big upswing due for him. Whatever. Uh, Denver beat Orlando. That was an ugly one. Nikola Jokic had a terrible first half. He's a very good buy low candidate right now because everybody overspent on him and they're all going to be pissed about it. You could probably get him for an overperforming second rounder, and you probably should. An overperforming late second rounder. You know, don't give him away for like someone you got four slots behind him. Jamal Murray was fine. You know me. I'm not super high on Jamal. He's sort of been quietly moseying along. He's number 82 so far this year. Great free throw, bad field goal, scoring, mm, some threes. That's about it. I'd rather have DeJounte than Jamal. Everybody's always way too high on Jamal Murray. Uh, Gary Harris played plenty of minutes but didn't do much with them. You probably hold on there. I mean, he's just been so boring, but, God, he's playing enough. Paul Millsap right now is probably pushing his way back to the should-be-owned side of the ledger, but barely. Jeremy Grant's a a drop. Uh, I think Will Barton's probably a drop, too, but I guess if you really must, you can. For Orlando, Markel Fultz moved into the starting lineup in this ballgame, had nine points and three steals, but that was about it. He played 25 minutes to DJ Augustine's 24, so they played alongside one another for a couple of minutes in this ballgame. I'm curious to see how this whole distribution shakes out. How, who's going to lose minutes if Markel Fultz continues to increase his? Here's the thing. Markel Fultz is averaging 22 minutes a game so far this year. Excuse me, 23. And he's number 213. Not a good foul shooter. Doesn't score much. Gets a steal. Doesn't assist much. Doesn't rebound. Doesn't hit any three-pointers. Why is everybody going so crazy? I'm not seeing it. His game is, from a fantasy perspective, kind of whack. I mean, I love to see him succeeding and playing and without all the weird head stuff going on. But from a fantasy perspective, he's 24% owned. And that's insane. He's been horrible from a fantasy perspective. He's been truly awful. It makes no sense. Um, I'd rather have Terrence Ross, who's playing a couple minutes less. But at least we know if he gets hot explode onto your team he'll hit a ton of three-pointers he'll get you some steals there were signs of it in this ball game and he had a really nice well-rounded line Aaron Gordon almost had a good ball game then missed a bunch of free throws <laughs> Aaron Gordon and then Jonathan Isaac finally cooled off but he still had six cash counters and uh, he's rolling Toronto almost came back in Milwaukee Kyle Lowry had 36 he was one of our old men and he's come out guns blazing this year Kyle Lowry number 11 in nine cat sell high before he gets hurt by the way uh Ananobi Freddie Van Fleet Serge Ibaka Pascal Siakam those are obvious ones Marcus Ole actually played a little better in this one 10 and 12 with two threes in a block didn't shoot the ball well played 34 minutes that's the thing with him he's playing the minutes he's just not doing much with them it's hard for me to say you have to hang on, but you probably should just because we know what he's capable of. And I liked the fact that his usage was up at 18 instead of like 9 in this ball game. Eric Bledsoe had another good one. He only played 24 minutes, but 14-9-5 with a steal and a three-pointer. He's starting to come around. Giannis obviously doing his thing. Wesley Matthews uh, turned his ankle and he's cooled off and you know he goes back out to the waiver wire phoenix at memphis aaron baines just chugging along he's a must own must start guy as long as deandre ayton is out mikhail bridges actually played well finally but only 19 minutes which makes him a very tough 
own. Ricky Rubio, good. Devin Booker, good. Kelly Oubre, foul trouble early, ended up playing okay in this ballgame. Dario Saric, teetering on the brink, and Frank Kaminsky is a drop. That's basically what we thought going into this game, and that's what we got coming out of it. Jerry Jackson Jr. hurt himself on the Memphis side. He's doubtful for the next game with a right knee injury. He was struggling anyway. Now you can just put him on your bench. I would buy low, truth be told, on JJJ. I don't see how it gets a whole lot worse than it's going right now. He's uh, currently sitting at number 130. Everything has gone wrong. It's There's nowhere to go but up. And I don't know what you can get him for. Honestly, I really don't. See if you can find some waiver guy who's blowing up for you, like a Kendrick Nunn or a Tyler Harrell. Lob it out there. You probably won't get it. It'll probably take more than that, but it's a good time to think about it. JV's minutes still creeping up by about one minute a game now. He had 13-7, and seven, had some issues with Aaron Baines, but he's going to be great. Brandon Clark played very well in this one. People are dropping him after like two or three kind of quiet games. He's, he's a guy that needs to be on your team. He's too versatile. And then Dylan Brooks scored 16, but that's, I don't care. Minnesota blew out Washington without Cat. Gorgie Jang rose from his grave for 18-8 and eight with two steals, three blocks, and a couple of three-pointers. Seven out of nine shooting. You can use him tonight if you want a streamer, although they're playing Milwaukee, so life is going to get tougher. Covington, great game. He's starting to look more like himself. Teague, awesome game. Andrew Wiggins actually played well even. Even Andrew Wiggins. On the Washington side, this is the more interesting in this ball game. Uh, Isaiah Thomas only played 19 and a half minutes, and this is why we've been sort of keeping him on our bench to monitor what those minutes look like. But boy, he looked good in his 19 again. 16 points, 7 assists, 2 threes, 4 th- rebounds, and a block. I don't know where that came from. That had to be an accident. <laughs> he wasn't trying to block it. Somebody just threw it into his hand. What do you want me to tell you, coach? He's now played since coming back 20, 24, and 19 minutes in his three games. He scored 16, 17, and 16. He's at eight three-pointers. He has 22 assists in that stretch, and he's made all of his free throws. This is a guy, somehow, that could end up inside the top 60 at the end of the year if they start giving him more like 25, 26 minutes a game. That's how close we are. He's number 70-something right now. So it's right on the cusp. He could end up being the fantasy pickup of the year. I know that that's, it's early to say that he will, but he could. Uh, I told you Davis Bertans was due to crap one out, and this was it. He's just hitting three-pointers, so if he goes cold, the line gets real dry. Rui Hachimura is an even worse example of that same situation. He only has points and rebounds, so when he goes cold, then things get ugly real fast. I do think Davis Berton should be on fantasy teams, but just kind of be aware of what you're getting. It's not a guy that's going to hit five three-pointers a game. Two and a half to three is a reasonable projection with as many as he takes from downtown. But again, it's really kind of, it's more about understanding what he's going to do. He's not going to get you any defensive stats. And he's probably going to settle somewhere around where he's at right now, like 13, 14 points. I don't know about the three three-pointers. He sort of started hot this year. But it's he's a good outside shooter, and he's going to get some looks. This is, you know, this team. <laughs> but be aware, the ugly one's that ugly. Charlotte beat Golden State. Uh, undead Golden State. They're, this is rough, man. The Steph Curry injury and then Draymond Green, they said his back hurt, so he's sitting out for a week. And D'Lo, they're like, oh, you know what? You just sit this one out, too. 
quickly on the Charlotte side, you know, we, we sort of know what to expect. Dwayne Bacon got hot for a game. He's a tough guy to use these days. Devontae Graham got cold for a game. I mean, he's the guy I'd much rather have. I don't change my valuations based on this one game for Charlotte. I still like P.J. Washington, Cody Zeller, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, and Miles Bridges. For Golden State, on the other hand, we came into this one saying, let's watch these games closely. Let's see who has to do stuff with everyone on the shelf. And it's funny, this game, I thought, pretty well illustrated the guys that you should trust, and almost in the order you should trust them. Glenn Robinson III had the best well-rounded line of the contest, 16-9-3 and three with two steals, four three-pointers on 50% shooting. He's a guy you could probably dump onto your team, and as long as the whole team is dead for the Warriors, he'll play 30-something minutes, and he kind of has to take a dozen shots. He has to. Because by all accounts now, he's kind of the veteran on this team. Kai Bowman had a really nice ball game, but I don't, honestly, I don't even know who he is. <laughs> it's my job to know who these people are, and I don't even know who this guy is. Uh, he had 16-7-4 with, uh, with two steals. He basically had played 39 minutes in every other game combined coming into this one. So obviously you need to see this thing again. He got added in a couple of my leagues. I, I would not be surprised to see him back on the waiver wire after one more. Eric Pascal, 25 points on 18 shots, missed some free throws. It seems like he's just going to score at an okay efficiency, but we're not seeing anything else in his fantasy game yet. And then Jordan Poole, who got the traditional start, if you want to call it that, for Steph Curry, had five points and three assists. So, oops. Meanwhile, Willie Cauley-Stein's minutes are slowly ramping up. He's probably the safest guy to play on this team because at least he's been around the block a little bit. Glenn Robinson would be my second choice, as I mentioned, and then Pascal, Bowman, these guys, they all fall into kind of a third tier. I made no moves after this game for the Warriors. A lot of you guys asked me about it on Twitter, and I said, I'm just sitting and waiting, because I can tell you in games cap formats, the second you roll one of these dudes out, they're going to lay an egg. You're going to wear the egg. It's not going to be consistent. Now, I'll give you this. Head-to-head league, if you can find a stretch where they've got, you know, four games and six nights or something like that, yeah, you run them out there. Because if there's two good ones and two eggs, it's probably still better than three games from some other random pickup you would have made. But those two eggs count against you in Roto. You don't want to use up games when a guy like Robinson might come out and score nine points with four boards. Go get somebody who you know is going to do stuff. And honestly, we don't even know if D'Lo is going to play in their next ballgame. So I am not that excited about these guys in Golden State. None of them have a fantastic fantasy profile. And this was against the Hornets, people. Philly-Portland was a fun one. Back-to-back seeming game winners. It was Korkmaz. Mr. Furkan Korkmaz on the Philadelphia side, who had the final game winner. Anthony Simons hit one for the Blazers with about two seconds to go. They thought that was going to be the winner. Um, I'm also going to contradict some folks that I love and appreciate a lot who said Mario Hazonia was an automatic ad after this ballgame. He played 36 minutes, but also both Hassan Whiteside and Zach Collins were out. Collins is out for a while, so we can put that one in the what-to-expect category. But Whiteside is due back for their next ballgame tonight, which means he's going to play 24 to 30 minutes. Anthony Tolliver is going to slide down and chew up probably seven or eight power forward minutes or more because they need spacing. And that's going to push Mario Azonia back down into the 20s. Word is also, by the way, Rodney Hood is probable. 
So he left with a leg thing. I think it was a, a contusion. But he's coming right back. So if you thought this was going to open up a whole bunch of minutes for a guy like Kent Bazemore, who, by the way, I still like because of his well-rounded game, uh, that is not a big opening either. So I don't think Mario Hazonio is a long-term solution here. We saw what he looked like in the game that Collins was out and Whiteside was in, and it wasn't that great. If you want to sit on him, that's fine. But remember, he played 20 minutes the game before, had two points and six boards. We know who Mario Hazonia is, and as a fourth or fifth option on a team, he's probably not going to be good enough to make your fantasy team. So I'm not into it. I'd much rather have Rodney Hood. I'd rather have Kent Bazemore. I would not rather have Anthony Tolliver. He's also not a good fantasy guy. But Hazonia's way down the list for me. Guys, I wanted to remind you, if you want to come and contribute here at HoopBall, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or search for Dan from HoopBall on Google or whatever your search engine of choice may be. You can follow me on Twitter there and shoot me a note. If you don't have Twitter, fire a note to Team HoopBall at hoop-ball.com. Team HoopBall, that's all one word, at hoop-ball.com. We're looking for folks that want to break in as a journalist covering a team. You're really not going to get many chances like this to, to break into the media side of, of basketball. It's not a fantasy gig, by the way. This is to cover a team as a traditional beat writer for hoop ball and learn under Aaron Bruski, who has done this, who has had media passes and covered the Kings and been in the arena, a legitimate member of the media. You can learn from how to do it. It's, a, it's an intense thing. You know, covering a team. This is not like, oh, take, you know, watch the third quarter of a game and write some whatever. This is care, watch, work. And if you think you can do it, if you think you can handle it and you're really excited and you want to get into this thing, shoot me a note. If you want to know what we're talking about, you can check out some of the great work from the great Mike Pasador and our buddy Mike Pelache, who covers the Pelicans for hoop-ball.com. Uh, Panda's coming out with an article on OG and Anobi today. I would strongly recommend you guys check that out. That's the type of coverage that we're talking about. Anybody we missed on Friday? I guess we could quickly breeze through. Cleveland, Indiana, we've covered. Houston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Orlando, New York, Boston. We didn't talk about Boston over the weekend. Celtics had the weekend off. Catch their breath a little bit. Uh, but they're a pretty easy team to handicap. Daniel Tice, by the way, is going to put up big numbers as long as Ennis Cantor is out. And the Time Lord is also out right now. Uh, so if you want to stream him, I'm fine with that. Gordon Hayward looked good. Tatum is taking a boatload of shots right now. Kemba Walker is settling into his new role. Uh, Celtics over was one of the bets that I put uh, kind of towards the top of my list. And uh, so far, so good on that front. So that's cool. Anybody else didn't play over the weekend? Detroit, Chicago, Lakers, Mavs, Utah, Sacramento, San Antonio, Golden State. No, we got them all covered. That was it. Just the Celtics. And that's the NBA. Actually, I don't think Atlanta played for like three straight days. So that means we covered them on the Friday show. <laughs> we don't even have to. Nothing changed. Maybe Trey Young's back for the next one. That'd be nice. I have him in more places than I'm willing to admit. Basically, all my leagues where it's not a standard nine-cat roto. Head-to-head, I love him in head-to-head because you can kind of give up on turnovers. Points leagues, going to be stellar. Missing my guy here. Secret Dan draft pick. 
because it's not all my leagues are nine cat roto. Believe it or not, I do other stuff. Almost launched into the George Costanza answering machine. Tonight, tonight, Detroit is in Washington. Very curious again how Isaiah Thomas looks in this ballgame. And are we getting anywhere near a Blake Griffin return? This is about the time when they thought they'd be reevaluating and perhaps he's closing in. New Orleans is in Brooklyn. Brandon Ingram back. How much does that impact the other guys? Probably a lot, by the way. Houston looking to bounce back at Memphis after that ugly, ugly loss in Miami. No Russell Westbrook for this one. This is like the old Rockets, which maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe they'll throw Daniel House back in the starting lineup because the other one didn't work. Memphis, uh, can we get JV up to 25 minutes? This is not a good matchup, by the way, for a big man. We'll see if he can be good enough to kind of impose himself on offense to where he creates more offense than defensive liabilities for a floor-spacing shooting team. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lower minute count for JV in this one. Centers just don't play against the Rockets. Houston, by the way, favored by six and a half on the road. Recording this show late on Sunday night, we don't have lines for Detroit, Washington, New Orleans, Brooklyn, or Portland, Golden State. Uh, so I'll tweet about those. Milwaukee is at Minnesota. Bucks by six on the road. Philly at Phoenix. And the Sixers are favored by one. How about that? That's a line that'll blow you away a little bit, won't it? Philly by one. You almost want to bet on Phoenix just to say what's happening here. And if you'd like, by the way, to bet along with all of our thoughts, first, get Game Time Premium because you can get all of our final write-ups and deep analysis on whatever plays we're making. But however you decide to do it, if it's just revenge angles, if it's other stuff, do it at mybookie.ag. Sign up for a new account with promo code today. T-O-D-A-Y, mybookie.ag will match your first deposit up to $1,000. Maybe we'll try a correlated parlay. You can still bet on football there, too. Remember I was talking about that last month? We got into basketball now, and I sort of stopped talking about it. They've got all sorts of goodies. It doesn't have to be basketball. That's just what I know the best, so that's what I talk about. Anyway, if you're going to bet with us, I think it'd be a lot of fun if you did. Take your 100 units, whatever that happens to be. Get it deposit matched by the good folks over at mybookie.ag. Put a unit or two on all of our plays, and then you can just grind it out with us all season long. Promo code, once again, T-O-D-A-Y, the word today at mybookie.ag. Get that first deposit matched up to $1,000 in cash. In terms of homework for these games, which ones we're going to be paying the most attention to, the Wizards, almost always right now, Bradley Beal and Thomas Bryant are the only things on that squad that are pretty much locked in stone. Uh, IT, Rui... Bertans. People are talking about Troy Brown a lot, although I don't fully know why yet. I think he's going to play a lot, but his fantasy game has not yet shown itself to be a thing. Uh, New Orleans, depending on their health, that'll be one that I might tune into briefly. Houston, Memphis, not super concerned with that one. Milwaukee, Minnesota, uh, again, not super concerned there. Philly, Phoenix, we have a good idea. Portland, Golden State. Portland is one I'll be watching as well. Um, be, I mean, we should pay attention to what happens to the Warriors because of their weird, can I say weird-ass team? I am going to say weird-ass team. Uh, and then on the Portland side, I'm not a believer in Mario Zoni. Even if he puts up a good line in this one against the awful, awful Warriors, it, to me, the minutes and opportunity are just sort of not there because Whiteside now slots back in front of him. You've got Dame, you've got McCollum, you've got Hood, you've got Whiteside. Azonia, at best, is their fifth option 
So unless he rebounds a ton or gets a bunch of steals, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And that is um, somehow it. I moved a little quicker than usual today. You're welcome for that, by the way. Again, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I know I say it a bunch of times, but it is critical. We do so much work during the day on Twitter. This is where we can get our quick pickup and drop analysis as we watch games in real time. I think we've actually hit on a few key things from Twitter between reading the news and actually watching the games live on League Pass. This is why I I yell at you guys to follow me over there. It's not because I have some weird uh, addiction. I do have that also, but that's not the main reason. Uh, Tristan Thompson was someone that we tweeted about as he was putting up giant numbers in the middle of a ball game. Uh, We were talking about Myers Leonard. We've been talking about guys like Daniel House, Isaiah Thomas. There have been critical in-game decisions that I don't think we would have made or folks perhaps might not have seen if they weren't following along on social media. As guys perform in the middle of a ballgame, this is where I'm thinking, okay, look, I've seen enough. I've seen enough to make my decision. I'm going to go get a guy. Why wait until you listen to a podcast, you know, if it's box score breakdown, which is awesome. That's still going to be two or three hours later. This show is the following morning. Not to knock my own show, but I've made all these moves last night whatever moves we're talking about here. And everything, of course, is team-specific. You know, if you're in an eight, like an eight-team league, a lot of these guys are not going to be relevant to you. Everything that I talk about here is basically built off the framework of a 12-team, nine-category roto build. And if something weird is going on, I'll try to mention it. You know, here's a guy that might fit into a particular type of team, like a Jordan Clarkson, obviously fits more of a points league type of build because he doesn't rebound or assist. He just scores a lot, which is great, but that's only one category in 9-cat. It's all points. It all rolls together. So anyway, that's why we're working off of this stuff here. That's why I want you guys paying attention on the social media. Plus, I can point you to all sorts of interesting things that I think are happening at Hoopball Fantasy, our different team sites, which, by the way, they're bustling these days. Uh, You got Hoopball Lakers, Hoopball Clippers, excuse me, Hoopball Clips, Hoopball... Kings, Hoopball Pels, Hoopball Nets, Hoopball Blazers. Follow them all, man. Take a minute and follow all those guys. They're working hard. That's your Monday show. I am Dan Vespris. I've heard that enough times today. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Hoopball presentation. Thanks again to MyBookie.ag, Manscaped, and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Uh, check out our buddies over at Fantasy Draft as well. Coaches Challenge coming up on Wednesday this week. We'll tell you more about that tomorrow and Wednesday on this show. Um... It's a rake-free DFS contest. You try to beat Coach and then make fun of him about it. But again, we'll talk to you more about that tomorrow. Uh, break down that slate. That's the that's how our week rolls, man. We'll talk to likely we'll talk to Brandon uh, on Wednesday, and we're just in a time of the year now where we're digging in. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.